Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Pretty surprising stuff in the world of sports last night. The Mavericks lost on a 60-foot buzzer beater from the other side of half court. That sucks. That sucks. Kansas had their 71-game home win streak over unranked teams snapped by BYU. That kind of sucks if you're a Jayhawks fan. Longhorns, well, if you're a Texas Tech fan, that kind of sucked last night. Getting mollywopped by your rival. or you, you want them to be your rival on the way out, much like the football situation where you uh, had the commissioner popping off, you had the coach popping off, and uh, got beat 57-7. to the day after Thanksgiving, and now basketball, yeah. your last chance at a team that came limping in, and they smacked uh, smacked you around pretty good. Sorry. Yeah, we haven't seen the Longhorns play that well on the road all season long, really. It's like they made it personal last night, which you like to see. Or they finally said, you know what, enough is enough. we got to play with, you know, you can say what you want about Rodney Terry, the roster. The, I mean, this team has plenty of good players. Um, the last three games, even though they won the K-State game, they just have been playing bad basketball in my mind. They have been. They played good basketball last night. They played strong on defense. They, you know, spread the floor more, got IT Horton on the floor, on the floor in the starting lineup to put another shooter out there. And I mm-hmm. uh, like what Rodney did, but the players responded. Clearly they had some, some tough practices after that Kansas game because that was not acceptable. Uh, yeah, but, you know, they played with an edge. Yeah. They played with some attitude. That was him that was- pretty obvious from the Brock Cunningham play, but they played like that from the start. They played aggressive. Um, they dictated the terms of the game with the fast start, and it helps when, you're, when your guards play well. I mean, it was just one of those games where it seemed like it all was clicking for Texas. Guards played well. We know what DeSue and Kendall Weaver bring to the table. We talk about how consistent they are. But the guard play has not been consistent, but you had great guard play. The bench was fantastic. You had 34 points off the bench, and the defense showed up in the first half. I mean, defense showed up. You held them essentially in that first half to, what, 8 of 20? Yeah, they were eight, they were basically 8 of 33 in the first half. They had a they had a – he said she had six and a half minute stretch where they missed 12 straight shots. Now, they were off. Um, but, I mean, Tech didn't play that bad. They don't play that bad at home. I mean, they were 14-1 and one at home going into that game. And because Texas was the best version of themselves, we saw one of the worst versions of Texas Tech. It's a basketball team. So, you give Texas a lot of credit, man. It was – you could say Texas Tech played a bad game, but I think it was more about Texas playing their best version of basketball. We've seen them play all year long. And they took advantage of Warren Washington being out. I talked about that yesterday. The big man was out. There was a there was a huge, uh, you know, gap between how uh, efficient, how effective their defense at the rim was with and without Warren Washington on the floor. Uh, with him on the floor, I mean, they're allowing I think a fifty four percent field goal percentage at the rim without him on the floor. That number jumped to sixty four percent. That's a huge leap. Texas took advantage of that. Getting to the rim getting to the foul line. I mean, Texas controlled the game, the entire game, and dictated the tempo of the game. I think it's important for Texas to get off the fast starts. And we saw that again. They get off to a fast start. It seems like they play more of their brand of basketball, whatever that is. They are, they're more control of the game. When they get behind and they got to work from a deficit and dig themselves out of a hole, they end up having to adapt to the opposing team style of play. And oftentimes it, with a negative result. Yeah, they, they got the jump. They were up 19-9 early and then uh, stretched that out to 24 by half. And uh, Tech was ice cold and the Longhorns were red hot. I mean, that's how you build a, a dominating lead like that. Yeah. They were up 47-24 at the half. And uh, Cruz from there got to 30 almost in the second half. Then, the, of course, the, the the game, some would say marred. Some would say you know, ah. highlighted by the Brock Cunningham cross-check. Uh, of the that would have been a penalty in hockey. That's how you know it, how how, how it uh, flagrant a, it was. It was hardcore. That was yeah. a cross check. It was hardcore uh, up against the boards, kind of thing. Uh, as they were diving for a loose ball, it, it was dirty. It was dirty. I'll, I'll admit that. Uh, speaking of dirty rod, it's bears mentioning again. If you got uh, family and friends in out Amarillo Way, West Texas, uh, we're now dealing with the second largest wildfire in state history. Wow! And I was concerned about this this morning, Rob, when this front moved through. And shifted the wind so dramatically. Like yeah. this, fire, this fire has been burning this week, and the the winds were prevailing out of the south, and so it was blowing things from Amarillo up into the uh, the Panhandle into Oklahoma. 
Yeah. Well, now this new front just came through this morning. This drop temperatures without precipitation. It's got the winds coming the other way. So now it's, it's almost like a whew, it's a, wiping it back down. And yeah. now it's spread. It's uh, how about this Canadian Texas fast moving wildfires in the Texas Panhandle grow to nearly 800 square miles, the second largest in state history, and uh, no, not close to containment. Yeah. No, it's unfortunate. I mean, this, those things spread so fast. Too. Especially in these winds. You're looking outside oh, here, Rod. Man. The wind's blowing. It's, a, it's amazing how fast it spreads and obviously devastating. So our thoughts and prayers with those folks, man. That's, uh, that's really sad. Fortunately, there's not a lot out there, but, you know, eventually Still, you do it's hit. It's going yeah, <laughs> get, to, get to civilization at they one can. point. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the Panhandle in West Texas. There's a lot of open space, and, um, but not a lot of people. But at the same time, our thoughts and prayers are with the – and with those – now, your brother-in-law is a fo- smoke jumper. He is a smoke jumper, yeah. And I think he, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he took a, a desk job not too long ago after he got married because I believe that between his mom and between his new wife, they're like, eh, that's, a, that's a lot of stress every time there's a fire somewhere in America that you're going to get shipped out and have to jump out of a plane to go put the fire out. That is a lot of stress. That's a, that's a lot of, because there's, he has no contact with the outside world. They have like satellite phones, I think they have. Oh, but, really? Uh, I mean, that, that call comes every few days or so. So, I mean, you your family will go like, you know, three, four days and not know what your status is in the fire because you're just either you're obviously fighting the fire at the time and he's married or they don't have a signal yeah he's married now he just got married okay. a couple of years ago so they um i believe he took a desk job because like i said it was a, that's a stressful life for any any significant other <laughs> to have to deal with so all right coming up i just saw something drop from pete thamel regarding college football and its calendar we've all uh, been talking about how the calendar needs to change uh, we'll get into that because uh, NCAA officials are meeting in Indianapolis this week mm-hmm. while the combine is going on to discuss calendar changes. We'll get into what they're proposing. I want to read into it a little bit, make sure I get this right of what they're what they're looking at. We're also talking Texas baseball, who I got a big win last night, and look forward to this Texas women's game tonight. I think it's ESPN Plus is okay. where you're going to have to find it. But uh, Texas women, this is game of the year in the Big Twelve. Oklahoma's fourteen and two, Texas thirteen three. Uh, Oklahoma beat Texas. Their last loss, eight you know nine games ago, was to Oklahoma. In Austin, hmm. and since then, you know, Vic Schrafer kind of cracked the whip here, and they've they've got, they've buckled down, and this team has really performed at a high level. They moved up to number three in the country, but they're still behind Oklahoma. Uh, this game tonight, a uh, real big one, real big one. If you're uh, checking out the women's basketball this evening, uh, and see if they can follow it up. The men just did it, went into a hostile environment, got a you know yeah. critical win because that men's win, Rod. I mean, they're in the tournament now. I mean, they're, I mean I, well, unless they have, collapse and yeah, lose out. Say, unless they lose out or something. If crazy. they were to lose out. But, I, you know, they play Oklahoma State this weekend. They're favored. They need to bring that, that energy, bottle it, and come back and beat Oak State. They go to Waco Monday night mm. to play Baylor. That's a coin flip game. They've already beaten Baylor once. But, you know, that that's the last trip to Waco probably ever uh, in true. playing basketball. So that place is going to be on fire. Uh, I shouldn't say on fire. That place is going to be electric. Yeah. And then you come back home for Oklahoma the following Saturday to wrap up the regular season. So you get two of those three. You're sitting at twenty and eleven. Uh, you're going to the. You're into the tournament. You'll be in. The, you'll be in the big dance. Yeah, I mean, in Big Twelve has had a couple of seven and eleven teams uh, in Big Twelve play make the tournament the last couple of years because the, it, the the league is just so competitive. So if Texas is anywhere in that realm, which it looks like they're projecting they could be, or even better. Uh, yeah, they're shooting to make the tournament. They were firmly in the tournament prior to this win, uh, prior to the win over Texas Tech. I think now they're in. And they were not just bubblicious. I believe they were actually in. Now you're talking about improving your seating. Now you're talking about trying to sure. improve your Big 12 seating. I mean, what are they now? They're, are they fourth in the Big 12? Um, they were tied for fourth in the Big 12 prior to that game. I got to look at the latest Big 12 standings. But you'd like to be top four in the Big 12. That way you get to buy in the Big 12 tournament. Um, and then maybe you got a chance to make a run in the Big 12 tournament. Or maybe the Big 12 tournament doesn't matter uh, to you at all. Maybe you're worried about the actual big dance. Uh, either way, I mean, you want to improve your postseason Texas, seating. Texas is now 7-8 and eight in the Big 12, which puts them down at 7th or 8th place in okay. the Big 12. Uh, the Tech drops, drops Tech into an 8-7 and seven tie with BYU and TCU. Top team is Houston, Iowa State 2, Kansas, and uh, Baylor are tied for 3rd. So, uh, you know, if Texas can beat Oklahoma, though, Rod, on Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State's down at 4-10. and 10. That's a game you have to win Saturday. Yeah, you got to win that. You win that, you're going to get back to 500 in conference play. Uh, you, you know, then you got to split the next two against Oklahoma because if you split the, the Waco-Oklahoma game, because Oklahoma's here uh, the following Saturday, you're 9-9 you're nine nine in your 18 conference games. Yeah, yeah. You're 9-9, nine nine, you'll be at 20 wins. 
your two losses in the non-conference were to Marquette and UConn, mm-hmm. who are top five teams. Yep. So those are not bad losses. So you don't have any real bad losses on the record. So that that gets you in the tournament, and it may get you, you know, seven, you know, seven seed kind of thing in the big dance with 20 wins. And if you, what if you go win a turn game in the tournament? Win the game in the which, tournament. Which, as we found out last night, when you look at the bracket, they could be playing Tech again in the tournament. Yeah. That's a great point. Might not, yeah. That great, might not yeah. be the last that's one. We said that's tech, the last yeah. one in Lubbock, but that might not be the last game because they could see those guys, uh, and, you know, the, there'll be some no love loss with Brock Cunningham when he gets if they get matched up in the Big 12 tournament yeah. coming up in a couple of weeks. No, because you're right, because Texas has four quad one road wins now. Yep. Uh, which is really Cincinnati, good. Cincinnati, OU, um, this one last night, and Cincinnati, OU, this one. Missing one. There was one other that they went yeah. on the road and, and snagged, uh, which was which was big for them. Yeah, and they, like I said, that, that, that was probably the most surprising performance of Texas basketball all oh, season Oh, and long. it was their best performance. It was their best. They, I mean, just coming off the two road losses that they had just had, which were – you know, just disastrous. I mean, they were they they were on the, the losing end of an Old Testament style butt whipping, and then to come out in the rowdiest environment that you've seen so far, and to have that type of dominant performance where you, you know, boat race Texas Tech at home, uh, shows you a lot of maturity. I mean, so hopefully this team is starting to find its groove, find its identity, uh, their brand of basketball, because that was the best brand of basketball we've seen them play all year. Uh, the other quad one win in Big 12 play was at TCU. Ah, at TCU go, at in TCU. Fort Worth. Yeah. And uh, so four of those and uh, five overall. So uh, nice win for the Horns last night. Texas women trying to do the same here this evening. But Texas baseball smacked around St. John's last night. Jalen Flores, you know, I, was, I, I perked my, my eyes up a little bit when I saw that he was batting in the three hole to start the season. I'm like, hmm. That tells me Jalen Flores had a good summer and a good spring because, mm. you know, last year he was kind of a – I want to say a light hitting shortstop, but he was not a power guy. You put your best hitter, your run producers in the in the three hole in okay. your batting lineup, yeah. and you know he's already delivered two grand slams, four home runs. Uh, he's got 15 RBIs in the opening opening home stand. Uh, he's delivering right. Jared That's Thomas right. and Peyton Powell are getting on base. He's driving them in at a high rate, and so uh, you know you, you mission accomplished at least for your first eight games for Texas baseball. Pitching staff's been on point. Uh, you know, last night the kid Max Grubbs kind of struggled early with his control, but everybody they brought in behind him was really good last night. So pitching staff on point. You're you're getting production. You're getting guys on at the top of the order, specifically Jared Thomas. Uh, middle of the order is driving him in. Will Gasparino, the freshman phenom, he had a big three for three night last night. Uh, but now now you find out. Now we'll find out about this team. Uh, this team in the next. Starting Friday, their next seven games will be against number three in the country, LSU, number seven or nine in the country, Vanderbilt, Texas State, who's a rival from down the street. They'll play them in Houston on Saturday. They'll come back home next Tuesday night, Rod, and play A&M. That place, you're probably talking about frenzied crowds. Yeah, it's going to be wild. A&M, and A&M right now, if you're not paying attention, is number eight in the country and 8-0. Uh, they're off to a great start. Uh, so uh, then you go to then you got Lubbock, you got Texas Tech coming here mm. next weekend, no, the after the week crazy. after the Minute Maid event. So yeah, in the next ten days of baseball will we'll, be a lot of fun. We'll see what, what this team's all about uh, early on. Uh, so looking forward to that. That was good to see last night. All right, nine fifteen on this uh, uh, Wednesday edition of a Hook 'Em Up. That means it's time for Rod's second rant of a Wednesday. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. And he make any model click appleleasing.com and experience how easy it is i'm as mad as hell and i'm not gonna take this anymore find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real you ain't keeping it real. my god okay it's happening everybody stay calm oh no, you've done it now it's time for rod's rant of the day hold on to your butts all right let's get into <clears throat> rod's rant of the day uh, I was going over an article <clears throat> uh, from Substack. It's a really interesting article about the different drills at the Combine, what drills and skills translate to draft value, which ones correlate to actual NFL production, um, which means that some of these drills and some of these uh, different traits of players are overvalued. So uh, they went through every position on offense, and what basically they took – um, basically, the athletes from 2006 to 2020, um, that is the sample size, use plus minus and approximate value uh, from pro football reference to look at players' careers through their first contract and look at where they were drafted and how they performed at the combine. 
All right, and then that's how they the, they figured they figured out draft value as opposed to NFL production and what uh, different drills from the combine correlate to higher draft value and which ones correlate to NFL production and success. And by the way, they're not always the same thing. So we'll talk about what is overvalued at the combine as it relates to certain positions and what is undervalued at the combine and what you should be looking at as it relates to certain positions. So let's start with a quarterback. So apparently at quarterback, the, uh, the, this is all about the, the combine drills and stuff like that. Uh, what has correlated to the most success at the combine for quarterbacks, uh, age, uh, weight, broad jump, and a three-cone drill. Uh, if you're looking at age, the average age of a quarterback in the first round is 21.8 uh, years old. And outside of the first round, the average quarterback age jumps to 23. Now, this quarterback class could have an even older, you know, uh, first-round average median age if a guy like, I don't know, Michael Penix ends up in the first round. That could end up happening. Um, but age is one of those things. They're looking at uh, total upside. When you're looking at upside at a certain position, you got to look at the age of a player. That'll tell you how close they are to their ceiling or to their peak. Uh, looking at running back, uh, the – um, the basically the drills are skills traits that correlate to NFL production and success. They say age, weight of the running back seems really important because they're worried about the wear and tear and whether you can be an every down back form and whether you can be a workhorse running back. The three cone drill that yeah, you're gonna see that a lot. I mean, honestly, the three cone drill might be the most common. A drill that correlates to NFL success among all the different positions. Definitely uh, for some of the most explosive skill positions. And the running back, the shuttle, also is a drill that correlates and it seems to be undervalued. So age, weight, three cone, and shuttle for running back. At wide receiver, um, vertical jump, the broad jump, um, the bench plus, and your 10-yard split of your 40. They break down the 40 into splits, and the 10-yard split seems to be uh, valued more than the actual 40-yard dash. As you just point out, at, at wide receiver, the 40-yard dash does not correlate to NFL success. It does actually correlate to draft value because it is over. It's an overvalued data point, an overvalued metric. So it 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 may be uh, it may get you high, drafted higher, but doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good player in the NFL, especially at the wide receiver position. Um, tight end. A little bit different. Tight end, the 40-yard dash actually has correlated to more success uh, at the tight end position. But also the three-cone, we talked about that. Three-cone seems to be uh, common for all of these positions in terms of projecting success from from that metric. Uh, Three-cone, the shuttle, and the weight at tight end is important because you need somebody at a a weight – and they still got to have some strength, but a weight where they can take on defensive linemen if necessary, edge rushers if necessary, linebackers, but also a guy that is fleet of foot enough, right, where they can run vertical routes down the field and still be a threat in the passing game running down the seam. So you got to make sure that weight at tight end is really, really uh, important because you're going to need a nice mix of both, a guy that can fuse the the power elements of the run game with the spread elements of the passing game. Um, At offensive, interior offensive line, interior offensive line, the three-cone, the 10-yard split, and the shuttle time, along with bench press, seem to be the four areas that correlate most to success. And it makes this interior offensive lineman looking at that 10-yard split, looking at that shuttle, that three-cone. A lot of change of direction for those guys, especially when they got a pull from the interior offensive line. Um, but one of the things I was surprised that is overvalued when it comes to interior offensive linemen is arm length. Uh, arm length and wingspan are overvalued for interior offensive linemen, which does make a lot of sense because in the interior offensive line, everything is compact. Uh, you not necessarily may not need a guy with a really long arm length or long wingspan. You need that more on the outside at tackle than you do in the interior offensive line. So looking at offensive tackle, this is the position, strangely enough, where every metric seems to have value and really high value in projecting what an offensive tackle or how an offensive tackle skill will translate to the NFL. When you looked at the most uh, important metrics that correlate to success in the NFL for tackles, it's 40, 10-yard split, age, 
vertical, shuttle, weight, three cone, and arm length. <laughs> it's everything. So if you could argue that in terms of projecting and predicting, um, you know, what drills and what metrics and what measurables are going to translate and correlate to success at the NFL level, you can argue that tackle has the, has the most metrics to consider and has the most uh, drills and the most traits to consider that translate to success out of all these positions. And that's kind of wild to me because it just shows you how underrated the offensive tackle position is in terms of its overall athleticism. You got to have an athletic freak at tackle most of the time in the NFL, and they have to be have a well-rounded skill set is what it tells me, um, which is, you know, going to a guy like Christian Jones uh, who's got good feet, he's got good arm length, he's, you know, a decent athlete, got good football IQ. You know, maybe that's why he's rising up some boards, but a lot of people are projecting him to be a guard when he gets to the NFL level, that he'll project to be a guard at the NFL level too, even though he's coming out as a tackle. So those are the metrics, the measurables from the combine drills that translate and kind of based on the approximate value, based on plus minus, which one of them add draft value and which one of them uh, can correlate to NFL production because they're two very different things. Just because you get drafted high of what you had to combine, which is, which is based on your upside, which is based on your potential, your athletic skill trait, your skill set, and your traits, that does not always necessarily mean that that's going to correlate to NFL success. So draft value versus NFL production, the wise scouts are looking at what uh, metrics translate to NFL production rather than draft value. As a matter of fact, you'd rather be drafting some of these guys who uh, test well in some of these really important metrics. You'd rather draft them lower because that means you get better value. For those guys and the, the 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 NFL teams that don't draft as well and aren't as you know organized when it comes to the draft aren't as progressive and modern in their philosophy and they don't analytically break it down they could be looking at metrics that don't matter and don't translate as well that are overvalued like oh I love a guy that's, he's, that runs the 40 or oh, I love a guy that has uh, long arms at this position when in fact long arms don't translate to success in the NFL at that position, they translate to high draft value. But that's different than NFL success. So that's, the, I think, the, the line that these scouts got to walk at the combine. Good stuff. Deep dive as usual with Rod Babers. We'll dive into these proposed rules changes, calendar changes for college football and recruiting uh, that apparently are being discussed right now. We'll get to that. Also, uh, takeaways from day one of the scouting combine from general managers across the NFL and you know, team presidents like Stephen Jones. We'll oh, get yeah. to uh, the big stories that maybe we could glean from what we heard yesterday. Also, some who said that before Who's the end of the hour. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Alright, coming up, it's going to be Setlist ATX with our best pinch hitter. We got Mark Higgins will be in the house. Bring you the uh, best live music in Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world after all. Hard to believe, Rod, it was one year ago, essentially this yesterday, that uh, Lamar Jackson penned his goodbye to Baltimore. Oh, yeah, I remember that. John Harbaugh was at the Combine. I remember that. And that goodbye went out, and he had to sit there and answer questions about it, even though he, didn't, he barely even saw it. And uh, uh, he didn't really answer any of the questions, he, but his refusal to answer the questions gave us all the answers we needed. Yeah, <laughs> we do. Well, he did say we, we want Lamar to be our quarterback. I don't know why he's saying goodbye kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, of course, he came back, won the MVP, and uh, got his contract. So there is news that comes out of these uh, these couple of days there when they put microphones in front of the, the, the top brass in the NFL. Speaking of Baltimore, Rod, they're kind of like the Cowboys. You know, um, both their running backs, Gus Edwards uh, mm -hmm. and uh, what's the kid from LaGrange? Uh, gosh, J.K. Dobbins. Oh, from Oklahoma State. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins. Oh, J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, neither guy can stay healthy. Yeah, and so they're both free agents, though. And uh, the kid Keaton Mitchell that they drafted last year, he's coming off a knee injury, so they're kind of like the Cowboys. They need a running back, big time. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where you heard Derrick Henry's name. You know, and this isn't a deep draft for running back. So Ravens in a similar nice. spot to the Cowboys as far as the, that position goes, and it's you know, parallel with the Cowboys, Dak and Lamar Jackson, both <laughs> you know great regular seasons, one and two in the MVP race, and. Uh, 
uh, fell short come January in a big way. So we'll go through through some of what the GMs had to say and uh, who said anything that maybe matters, including Stephen Jones saying they are going to resign Dak Prescott. They'll get a contract oh, done. You know that's happening. 49ers GM John Lynch says Brandon Ayuk is a priority for the 49ers. Got to get that done. Uh, but we'll still get back into that, into our fabulous fifth hour and some uh, who said that. Who said uh, but real quick before we get to Mark and uh, talk some – Live music in the ATX. Wanted to mention this. There's a there's a conversation going on right now in Indianapolis about the calendar changing for recruiting. Rod, a three period model developed by uh, CAA may allow prospective student athletes uh, and institutions more flexible recruiting timelines based on individual needs. So how about this? They're gonna th- th- this may expand. This is for high school kids okay. committing to schools. the The idea would be three signing periods. First would be three or seven calendar days beginning the last Wednesday in June. So since you'd have a summer signing period okay. before your high school senior season, right, for most of these guys. So that would be late June. Uh, second NIL, NLI, National Letter of Intent signing period, would be a three- or seven-day calendar period beginning the Wednesday following the last FBS regular season game. Okay. So essentially early December before the championship Saturday. That's number two. So you can sign in the summer. You can sign right before the championship. That would be essentially before the championship and the 12-team playoff began. Okay. Uh, and then the regular NIL signing period would stay in place, which is the first Wednesday in February through April 1st. Okay. I mean, that's – Summer, it, early it, December. giving them more options for the players to sign. Does it make the coaches that, – that calendar – Bring clarity for the coaches? Does it give the coaches it just means you enough be, stability? It essentially moves the December calendar up three weeks. So you're not right before Christmas during possible preparation for playoff games, mm-hmm. trying to put a recruiting class you know, finalized. You get it, get it done before. Uh, I mean, none of these are going to be perfect. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They're all going to have some issues. But that's the proposal, according to Pete Thamel, that they're discussing right okay. now. All right. All right, uh, we'll, we'll it's a small get, thing, but it, it could it could help. I mean, it could, could be because the bigger question is the, the on the calendar issue is, be, is the portal. Yeah, I was gonna say the portal is a, the, yeah the, the the recruiting the signing day. I mean, only one signing day has really matter anyway. Now that's the early signing period, right? We don't even worry yeah. about the act. What used to be national. Well, signing moving day. that up, uh, you know, two weeks that three weeks, I think will be very popular among the coaches. Uh, but yeah, how impactful will it be? We'll see. But also, yeah, the the portal opening is when. That's the that's the when chaos. Are we doing that? That's the chaos right there. That you're yeah. trying to figure out. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, no chaos here. He is our man, Mark Higgins. What's up, Higgs? Live music set list ATX hey. ready to roll. Hi, Higgs. How we doing? What's up, guys? Morning, guys. How you doing? Great, brother. Doing good. How's the NIL space going on right now with Clark Field Creative and whatnot? It's good. It's good. You know, I got a bunch of new kids in town and early enrollees, kind of doing their thing. So it's uh, it's been a fun getting to know some of the new guys. Anything stand out about the? I mean, what is it? Eighteen new players on campus. That's a lot for January. Anything that you've taken note of? Uh, we did do an interview with uh, Colin Simmons, and if you told me Colin Simmons was starting in the NFL tomorrow, I would say, yeah, that looks about right. He is a beast. <laughs> There's a picture of him and Alex Okafor, and Alex, who played many years in the NFL, he's he's as big as him, if not bigger. It's just amazing. Yeah. That's uh, crazy. Uh, these guys are you – know, you have kids, Mark. I have kids. I mean, these, kids, these guys are coming in at 18, 17 years old looking like grown men. Yes, they are. Last year when we did a couple events with, I think it was Anthony Hill, he's 17. My son is 17. I went home to him. I said, hey, man, you got to start you know, putting something together for the family here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are you doing, man? What, what, what are you up to? <laughs> Killing exactly, me, Smalls. Exactly. Uh, all right, Higgs, what do we have? Live music. There's some good stuff. And I want to say thank you to, uh, to, to Nick Shuley from afar. Uh, helped us get into the, uh, the event on Saturday night at ACL Live at the Moody, Moody Center. Got some tickets to see the uh, nice. Texas Songwriters Hall of Fame inductions. And that was a heck of a lot of fun. Nick talks about how it's his favorite event every year. And I, I see why now uh, to see Terry McBride and Eric Johnson and Jack Ingram. John Randall all being inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in their home state. You could tell. I mean, several of them said it was the biggest honor they've ever received. Yeah. If you fancy yourself a songwriter like Jack Ingram does and like Eric Johnson, and he's a guitarist but, you know, composes music, uh, this is a big honor. Terry McBride, I mean, that's that's big time. And get a statue of Willie Nelson, who's maybe the greatest Texas songwriter of all time. Yeah, and I actually uh, I snuck out on Friday night down to the Bullock for the uh, the, the pre party for that and got to see Emmy Lou Harris who I had never seen before so that was pretty special and as you mentioned Willie Willie also kicked off his uh, announcement yesterday about his um, 
his tour that he's doing this summer, and he's bringing Bob Dylan out with him, which is kind of amazing. I saw that. It, it, it does it come to Texas, though? It looks like he's going to no. stay in the cool, cool temps for a summer concert tour. Uh, 91 years old, and Willie Nelson's still going strong. Man. And as Andy Langer um, pointed out, he said the touring schedule looks like maybe the uh, July 4th picnic may be on hold this year because it looked like it was going to coincide with that tour, so we may not have oh. the, uh, the July 4th. It might be too damn hot for Willie to yeah, get out there, right, exactly. in 4th of we July gotta, these days. Protect Willie at all costs. Let him go, to, all let him, let him go to the cool, cool temperatures in July. Exactly. All right, so what are we doing for live music uh, yeah. this weekend starting tonight, including a fun one over at Antone's? Yeah, we got the um, – it's a folk duo called the Milk Carton Kids. They're, uh, they're down at Antone's. It's a rescheduled show from uh, back in November. They had to cancel it for some reason, so they'll be down there at Antone's. Um, I know one of my favorite discoveries when I moved to Austin back in 95 was James McMurtry, and I know we've talked about him before probably here, but most people complain that, oh, I love James, but I don't want to see a midnight show like on a Wednesday or Thursday night. So if you're in that camp of complaining about that, you can come down to the Continental uh, the Gallery upstairs there, and it's an 8.30 show. So, you know, no complaints. Get out there early. You, can, uh, you don't have to do the midnight thing, and you can you know, stay out and you know, nice. be up at home at a reasonable hour. And then the big one, of course, tonight, and I know it's sold out, and if you've gotten a ticket, which I know Nick was able to find a couple for his niece, uh, Grace, uh, but Olivia Rodrigo is at the Moody Center tonight, so I'm sure the uh, you could probably get a ticket. It's going to be quite pricey. If you have a teenage daughter, that's probably a ticket she's been trying to get, right? This is kind of the uh, – she's 20, right, and she's on her way to, to superstardom. Some say she's a young Taylor Swift, but, but, but more pop than country when Taylor came out. Yeah, she's, she's, she's trying to come for Taylor's corner. She might, she might, have, a, <laughs> might have a problem, but uh, I think they'll both be okay. Olivia Rodrigo tonight. Moody Center. What about Thursday night? Thursday, uh, kind of got some Austin connections here with the Eli Young Band. They're doing two nights down at Green Hall. Uh, the Friday is sold out, so if you want to see them, uh, Thursday is your best option. And then kind of a retro soul guitar uh, guitarist, uh, kind of in the vein of a Freddie King, uh, Eddie Ninevolt is at the Mohawk, and that's on Thursday as well. Nice. Uh, end of the weekend now, Friday. But yeah, weather long, looks great, by the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nice little change. Uh, longtime Austin singer and songwriter. She's over at the uh, 04 Center. That's Sarah Hickman. She's been here originally from Dallas. I think she's been here since the mid-'80s. Uh, former Rilo Kylie member uh, Jenny Lewis is doing the ACL Live at the Moody. Uh, she's You might know her from Rilo Kylie. Also, she was a big TV actor as a kid. And then kind of a little bit of a different um, different look to what you would probably normally see, but Guy Forsyth and Will Taylor are doing something called Concerts in the Dark. Uh, audience members will be given the choice of bringing their own camp chairs, laying on yoga mats on the floor to gaze at the shadows on the ceiling, or lavish on their own pillows. So a little, probably a little bit more mellow. You might find yourself just in a total trance. I don't know. But Guy Forsyth and Will Taylor, Concerts in the Dark on Friday. There you go. Uh, we got one for Ty here on Saturday. Future Birds uh, is at Stubbs. Nice. He's going. He's very excited. He just told me about how he saw them for the first time at UGA at a, at a frat party and kind of just fell in love with it, and it's his favorite brand. So, you know, if you're going to be out there, get that Future Birds. You can join Ty. Uh, Ray Wiley Hubbard is down at Green Hall, and if you've been out the dish, you know, last season or even this season, you may know uh, the song Snake Farm is the walk-up song for Jared Thomas. Uh, and JT got to check out a show and meet Ray Wiley uh, last year, so that's kind of cool. Uh, Gregory Allen Isakoff, he's a South African-born but now lives in Colorado. Lots of TV shows you've heard his songs on, Grey's Anatomy, Suits, Yellowstone, kind of an indie folk rock. Uh, that's down there at Stubbs. Uh, and then, you know, longtime uh, Velvet Underground mainstay Lou Reed. They're having a Lou Reed birthday tribute with members of uh, Daystar, Queen Serene, Luxury TV, and Ma, and the Get Lows, and that's over at Hotel Vegas. Nice. That's a great Saturday, Saturday night as well, and then Sunday. Sunday you might, you know, get a little early start, get the gospel brunch at Stubbs, always a good option. There's two seatings of that, is 1030 and 1230. Um, you can get out there and, you know, maybe take the, pet, take the parents out or make, you know, make, take mom and dad for a little date. Uh, that's two shows in the morning starting at 1030. And then over in the afternoon at 5 o'clock, there is a Waterloo in-store performance and a signing with uh, Shane Smith and the Sinners. You know, speaking of Yellowstone earlier, he's been featured a couple times on that show. Uh, Monday, down your way, Aaron, we got the W.C. Clark, the blues legend. He's going to be at the Hayes City Store down there in Driftwood for a 6 o'clock show on Monday. I don't know if you guys have seen WC before, but he's an amazing. Um, By the way, can I mention something on that? Please, because please. Uh, I have some intel on that because WC – uh, you know, he's 90 years old now, and last week he had a bit of a uh, 
episode, I guess I would call it. Um, you know, he's dealing with some early stage dementia. Uh, WC is, unfortunately. And I don't know if he'll play that show. I'll find out. But he does play every Monday night. He does an hour set at the uh, Hay City store. Okay. He lives not far from there. Drives in his own vehicle and parks, sets up his little, you know, setup and uh, does his deal. But last week, I think it was last Thursday, he had a, a bit of, a, of an episode. And uh, I'll check. Hopefully, we're, we're fingers are crossed for WC that he's doing okay. Yeah. Uh, but, man, he's, he's battling. And yeah. um, it looked like maybe the dementia got him. Looks like, I think he showed up for on Thursday thinking it was Monday. Oh, essentially oh, what happened. Oh, so uh, I'll, I'll check in. For WC. That's, that's WC, no question about that. Yes, but I'll find out and I'll let folks know. But okay. Because uh, he may be okay. Uh, might have just been a one-time situation that we're going to monitor. But uh, WC and the Blues Review, which he plays all – you know, I, I live down here in Onion Creek, so I get down there all the time. He he plays there. He plays at a place called Nate's in Buda. He's okay. playing all over the place at, at his age, which is wow. pretty awesome. So hopefully the best for WC Clark and the amazing. Blues Review. What about Tuesday here, Mark? Tuesday, we'll round it out. Speaking of the Blues, we've got a guy named David Grissom. He has toured with artists such as Buddy Guy, John Mellencamp, Joe Ely, Storyville, the Dixie Chicks. He's doing a free show. Um, he'll be out there uh, on, it's on on Monday afternoon. Tuesday, I'm sorry, Tuesday evening. And then we'll round out Tuesday with the eight and a half souvenirs. Some of the longtime residents might remember them. They uh, reunited in 2014 after being together for 20 years. Uh, they do kind of a Euro swing and jazz beats. That's going to be over at Sea Boys at 630 on Tuesday. All right, brother. Nice. Appreciate it. Higgs in the house. Uh, pinch hitting for Nick Shuley. Uh, he is in charge over there, the Clark Field Creative, and doing great work. And great uh, work. you're a big part of that uh, third and Longhorn podcast that Rod's a yes, part sir. of, right, Higgs? That's right. Yeah, producing that, trying to you know give the boys some questions. And you know, some, sometimes I know Rod looks at them all. I'm not sure they all look at them, but Rod, Rod's on it. I check it out. I do my prep, man. I appreciate you. Pro. Total help. pro. <laughs> Total pro. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Thank you, Higgs. That's okay, good stuff Higgs. right there. We appreciate guys. you jumping in and uh, pinch hitting for Nick. Uh, of course, for Nick, the president of the Austin Music Movement. Uh, all right, so we'll get some uh, – who said oh, yeah. that coming up, Rod? There's, there's your live music. And, uh, yeah, that, uh, that Olivia Rodrigo, that's a big deal if you've got a teenage daughter. One of these days, Rod, you'll she's, get there. She's dating uh, Sam Laporta. Is, is that right? Yeah, she's dating the tight end from the Detroit Lions, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I, and I, unless Who's? I mixed up my pop stars. Olivia, Olivia Rodrigo. Rodrigo. And she's dating, she dating him? Tight ends uh, are making plays in the NFL. Is it him or TJ Hawkins? No, I, I think it's Laporta, though. I'm going to look that up. Okay. She's dating a tight end in the NFL because I know I've heard the jokes about. It's called the tight ends, man. Uh, I have no Kelsey's idea. Kelsey's got Taylor Swift. This one, and now you got uh, what's what's the Jake Ferguson of the Cowboys dating? Uh, oh, he's dating one too. You're right. He's like an influencer or somebody. You're right she, about that. She was that. the the twins that played basketball at the University of Miami. Uh, he's dating, yes, her. Yeah, I love Rodrigo. George Kittle's wife is blown up for her fashion designs. Right? I mean, she's now, you know, got a, a, an apparel deal with the NFL after she designed a jacket for Taylor Swift that she wore to a football game. Okay. Yeah, apparently, like it's a rumor. So that, I don't know if it's confirmed or not. It's it could be just rumors that Laporta and Olivia Rodrigo are dating. That'd be odd how they would have met because she's from California. He's yeah. a guy coming out of Iowa. I don't know. You never know, man. You have no idea. You never know how these things happen. Different circles. But it is a rumor that's out there. But the tight ends from the NFL. Well, Olivia is one of those that came through the the Disney Channel Ah, site. She was on Childhood Star. Okay. There you go. Who's got a lot of talent, though. She really does. Now she's kind of blossoming into her own, doing her own thing. Remember Uh, Childhood Star used to be such a disaster? They're doing a lot better now. Child stars used to always turn into yeah, like just Todd really Bridges troubled and, adults, and yeah, they had they're issues. different strokes. Yeah, they would have these disastrous adulthoods, but they tried their childhood. They were child Corey stars. Haim. Yeah, but now something has shifted. Where the child stars seem like they're doing better, but I guess I mean, is Britney Spears doing better? I guess I she would be an example. But yeah, like I mean, I you, think they're doing better than they used to. be. All those stars that came didn't Drake come through the Disney Channel? Yeah, Drake was. Uh, yeah, Drake Degrassi. was like a young child star. Degrassi. Yeah, yeah it was like an old uh, show. He was in yeah, a wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't know that. That was his character. In the show, in the show he was in a wheelchair. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears, I mean, they all Lindsay came Lohan. up through. Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, exactly. Like, Selena Lohan Gomez, doing good. Victoria Justice. But, There's a bunch of them. See, Molly Cyrus. See, like now the child stars back when we were growing up, I'm talking about E and I because Ty's really young, they had they, – it was a disaster for them, and it put them on a path to destruction pretty much. And they all had these really, you know, disturbing adulthoods. It, it, even if they survived them, some, some of them didn't survive them. They actually ended up passing away from their demons they were battling. Now it seems like the childhood stars, they just – they grow up without those – Issues. Well, look, I mean, if you're Disney so and you're, something has shifted, it's kind of like the NFL scouting combine. If you're putting on, you know, kids shows on Disney, you're looking for the best and the brightest, right? You're looking for the talent. 
And so yeah. these are really talented people. They're really talented people. And hopefully they're helping them out a little more, right? And the parents are involved. But yeah, yeah, because I think back in the day with those you know '80s sitcoms were they were just saying different strokes. They're also they're making them. money, exploiting them, period. <laughs> yeah. like exploitation. Period. Yeah, now Lindsay Lohan had her had her issues and coming out of that uh, that situation. But yeah, yeah, they're all different. But yeah, Olivia Rodrigo seems like she's going to be. You know, superstar. Yeah, they all seem to... like they're doing really good. Like I said, she was nominated for album of the year this year. She's had a couple songs Grammy nominated this year, and of course Taylor Swift won. Either Taylor Swift or Miley Cyrus won them all. So it was a big, heavy female year. Well, thanks to Higgs, that's good stuff. She'll be at the Moody Center tonight. Uh, it'll be packed, and it'll sound like a uh, cheerleading Ooh. festival concert of some kind. A lot, a lot of ladies, <laughs> a lot of young girls at this show to see Olivia Rodrigo girls. tonight. That's funny. Uh, that'll be this evening. That's funny when you see the, the bookings at the Moody Center, man. It's something for everybody. You got the old set when the Eagles come to town. You got young. You got Latin flavors rolling through their country, rock, and they're booking an unbelievable lineup at Moody Center. Something for everybody. Yeah. Something for damn right. everybody. Real quick, Rod, I mentioned that Texas I – I have been mistaken on this, and I apologize. Um – Texas plays Texas Tech in baseball in Lubbock in two weekends. I thought that series was here. It's in Lubbock. So oh, so the, damn. So we do have another major We do have another going to after Lubbock. what went on last night in okay. Lubbock. Now the baseball team goes back for the final time. That'll be this weekend's at Houston for the Minute Maid Ooh. College Classic. The following weekend after they play the Aggies on Tuesday, three in Lubbock. But for some <laughs> reason now it feels like it means more. Did you all see the, uh, yeah. the audio Joey McGuire pregame at the t- game last night? Yeah, it was sad. Sad. They need to Sad. stop getting him up to talk. It ain't good. It ain't good. It, you know, he, and I think Jinxes he, things. Yeah, yeah, I was like, he actually is a good motivational speaker. I'm motivated, but it seems like he has a jinx every time he gets up there and says something like that. Doesn't work out how, well. How it's stupid like, do you think those kids felt that that been camping out since last Friday for tickets for that game? Uh, pretty stupid college kid. They're mad at the players. If I see him in class, with ass <laughs> yeah. camped out for five nights and you guys played like garbage pop isaacs I guarantee they would uh, never I, say it to their face <laughs> right behind their back they will my so uh cool. my sister texted me last night her one my sister who goes to texas tech her one takeaway from the game is that uh how weird kendall weaver looks that's what she kept texting me about she was like what's the deal with this guy and i was like well he's oh. hooping he's hooping on y'all right now so i wouldn't disrespect like, him too much hooping. by the Avatar way out there i said george kittle's wife it's use check wife has the fashion line kittle's yes. wife though that she's all over the place too for crying out loud yeah she's, she's about to oh man she's about to be rich real rich rich because she signed a deal with the league right yeah. that's like well, a, yeah she designed the jacket the taylor yeah. swift wore to the super cold like game in the yeah. playoffs and apparently she's and gonna do everybody that want one every jersey in the league potentially you're gonna be able to get that jacket made for whatever jersey you want oh she's about to make a killing juice yes, might retire yeah he, he might be like man we done we CTE, done it not for me man <laughs> <laughs> we good, man. Wifey, wifey's going to take over the, the bread, being the main breadwinner in his household. I'm cool with that. Stay-at-home husband. Uh, this is Rod. What are you talking about? Uh, y'all did a segment yesterday on Marley Cyrus in her penis room. Hannah Montana. Come on, man. <laughs> well, just true. Good point. But at least she is not, she's not on that self-destructive path. Yeah, nothing wrong with she, she, she likes penises and stuff, and that she'll have the male genitalia. But those, those, some of those other child stars, you guys remember, they got into porn. Remember the girl from Family Matters was doing porn? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, man, how you go from Family girl, Matters the, to doing porn? The girl from uh, Different Strokes, right? Remember the daughter? The, the, yeah. The, the, she fell up. Kelly or no. Oh, I know who you're talking she, about. She ended up committing suicide. Yeah. Todd Bridges from oh, that show. It was brutal. Brutal, yeah. All those young child stars. But now I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe just making more money. But like you said, I think you're right, E. I think now the the – uh, the networks or whoever's in charge, the handlers or advisors, whatever, I think maybe they are more aware <laughs> well, of those and, and each, each stories. Each is different, right, especially yeah. the parents are involved. But every kid, you know, you, you know, Macaulay Culkin, what has happened with him since he did Home Alone? I mean, uh, you, you, you look at these and, gosh, there's, there's examples in all directions, all directions. Yeah. But it did feel like there were a lot of them uh, you, you and I were growing up. Like for sure. Of them, yeah. For sure. Uh, you know who's still cranking? Who we grew up watching, Rod, or I did? Uh, Alfonso Ribera, remember him? Oh yeah, that Carlton. guy, Carlton, right? Carlton. Yeah, yeah, Carlton. That guy has made so much damn money. What's uh, Carlton doing now? Is he still? He's the host of uh, America's Funniest Home show? Videos. Oh really? I didn't yeah. know he got that gig. And I think he's about to get another big, a big deal. I mean, that guy, he was on you, Silver Spoons way back with Rick Schroeder. You know, a child star who's killing it right now that nobody gives a lot of props to, hmm. Ralph Macchio, the Karate Kid. Where's he? He, he's, he's, always, he's doing a lot of acting stuff, man. Ralph Macchio's been acting forever. He just gets these underrated supporting roles nobody cares about. Ralph Macchio's been acting for ever since the Karate Kid. I mean, steadily, too. Yeah. 
Well, well this guy, this guy Alfonso Rivero. Oh, yeah, he's killing it, man. Killing it. And I, I love these guys. 52. Just, I remember he's my age. So I'm a little bit older than me, but I remember seeing him on Silver Spoons. Then he was on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air playing got, the straight kids. He's got the Carlton Dance. That's he's got the Carlton Dance. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, he was on. He was the host of Dancing with the Stars. Oh, for, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's what you want to do. He's found a lane. I like it. I like that for him. That's what it's all about, finding your niche, man. <laughs> we'll come back. When we do, it is a, a, a fun feature on Hook'em Up. Who said that? Coming next. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who said it? This says, remember when Alfonso Rivera was in a Pepsi commercial with Michael Jackson? That's true. Wow. Somebody said I saw Alfonso playing golf at Delaware Springs about a month ago. How random is that? Delaware Springs is out like what? Like Burnett? Marble? No. Where is is Delaware Springs? That's out Georgetown? That man gets around. He's all all over the place. doing in Hill Country. I have no idea. That's awesome. That's what I'm saying. That man man gets around. Like I said, he's been – He's been working for a long time. He has been. He yeah, is, I, mean, I'm, uh, hey. I remember when he was a kid when I was a kid, so I'm watching Silver Spoons with Rick Schroeder, and there he is. Steady work, too. Steady work. Yep. Getting the mailbox money. That's, <laughs> yeah. you, that's the goal. That mailbox money well, is now, money. Well, now, man, you got you to got Residuals and – like, like somebody said, Opie did pretty good. Yeah. Uh, oh, Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Oh, yeah, because Ron Howard got behind the camera. Yeah, and he's making it. He's still been behind the camera ever yeah, since but then. but see, it's almost like Robert Alfonso's kind of like, okay, I'm not going to do this acting thing. I'm just going to host Dancing with the Stars and Funniest Home Videos. Oh, yeah, Grief to Dollars Ratio. Easy, easy yeah, gig. He, he's killing it, Grief to Dollars Ratio. Him and Steve Harvey, easy they're Grief to Dollars Ratio. They're just making money. Ron Howard has a lot of talent, but, man, to make a movie. That's a put, lot. That's a lot of work. A lot of work and to they can flop, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy's just showing people getting hit in the nuts on a video. <laughs> Coming out laughing, doing the Carlton dance, and making money off of it. Somebody hey, getting racked by a tennis ball say, or something. Grief to dollars ratio. Oh, he knows. He found his lane. Great job. Yeah, we're Great all trying job. to work less for more money. I love it. That's what John Rom said <laughs> about the live tour. That's the, the American dream has changed. More money for less work. That's what we all want to do. We all, y'all Side know. Side gigs. Side gigs. Hey, can we uh, play some Who Said That? Who Said yeah, This, Rod? I think you'll know it, but it's an interesting story nonetheless. The Swifties this year. Yeah. Tell us about that. Was there ever a moment during the year where you were like, whoa, I don't know, this might be too much for us? I really didn't worry about it. I, I knew her dad and her mom, and I'd met her when she was young. Since the queen has passed away, she might be the most famous woman in the world. I but, don't disagree uh, yeah. with you. You're right. She's so grounded for who she is. Yeah. I think it's a great escape for her, where she can come in and she sincerely enjoys the games. Yeah. And kind of behind the scenes, she... Uh, you know, she likes to cook, so she made the offensive linemen these homemade Pop-Tarts. Oh, wow. So it was over. What? Right, was Taylor over. Swift <laughs> yeah. homemade yeah. Pop-Tarts? Yeah, so it was over. She knew right where to go. The right to go. Yeah. Did, Did you get one? Did you get one? Did they it's give you one? You know, she didn't give me one. I'm like, <laughs> damn. And the offensive linemen definitely didn't give me one. Right. There you go. There you go. Something you didn't know about Taylor Swift. She likes to cook and make homemade Pop-Tarts. Andy Reid. That's what my boy Sims. Good yeah. stuff at the, at the combine there. That's awesome. Yeah, who knew? She likes to cook, made homemade Pop-Tarts, and as they said, took it right to the big dudes. Do we know she made them for sure, though? Mm, that's what Andy Reid said. She, he says she likes to cook. She, Yeah, but he doesn't know that. She probably has somebody. I would say she ain't probably. Because first of all, first all she, she ain't got a lot of time on her hands. Let's be honest. She ain't got a lot of time. All right. This woman is a, an iconic pop star touring around the world. She ain't got a lot of time. Baking takes time. Baking takes a lot of time, actually. All right. I don't know if she's going to be baking. But when you are home and you can't go out. Because you are who you are, maybe because my wife baking's her therapy. She bakes for yeah, hours. Yeah, but your at time. wife's not a pop star. This woman well, but probably which, has. People. That's what I'm saying, though. There are down. There are things when she has downtime. There, she can't leave the we, house. Do we think that's what she's doing with her downtime, or is she doing other things with her downtime? And she's got people around her, world class bakers that'll bake her some pop tarts. She can go, hey guys, I, I just bake I, these pop tarts. I'm gonna take Andy Reid as his word. No, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go with Ty on this one. She ain't baking them pop tarts. <laughs> Somebody's baking them pop tarts for her, and she's bringing them in. I love her, but that means if she's good at baking. That means she bakes a lot. Yeah. You don't get good at baking unless you bake a lot. Well, you think maybe she, bake? she bakes a lot. Okay. That, that, that also, I would dispute because she's a pop star. You can't be a pop star rewriting all your songs, touring the world, and also, hey, I got time. I bake a lot. She ain't the perfect woman. Come on now. I'm not, well, I'm going to tell you, my wife is one of the busiest people you ever meet, and she bakes a lot. She's not a pop star touring the world, though. She gets <laughs> but she is at home in, at she times. She stay in Central Texas, though. You know what I mean? No, I'm not saying she's not busy, but it's different type of busy being a pop star touring the world. Okay. Right? Going around the world. She's, she's not, not always doing and, that. And by the way, she's not a mom. Mom, Your, your wife bakes. She's a mom. She's like baking for and her she kids. She doesn't even eat it. Exactly. She's baking for the kids and <laughs> yeah. baking for everybody else. Who is she baking for? Who she says she's baking for? She likes to bake. 
Nah, I think she's just pulling the old. I think she's just pulling the fast one on everybody. Uh, all right, uh, Ty, you can uh, dial up the next audio I sent you. We can play. Who said that? What about finding a veteran wide receiver? Wide receivers were uh, the talk of the town uh, with you guys, certainly during the offensive struggles. Is there any sort of priority that you're placing on finding a veteran wide receiver uh, in the coming weeks? I think there's always a priority to provide Pat with uh, as much arsenal as possible. And so, you know, the difficulty is just having, you know, the resources to do so. And, you know, those are the challenges. uh, And that's why the league is great. you know, because when you have a lot of great players, I mean, you're spending a lot of money, and then you're picking last in the draft. So, I mean, ideally, you'd have to have a ton of extra money and some high picks to um, add a top receiver every year. And we just have to be patient, and you know, um, and just really trust the process. I mean, last year was a little bit of a difficult window to add someone with the resources we had, and took a took a swing last year in the first round, couldn't get up there. But you know, we were, you know still aggressive and because we came right back up day two and traded up for Rashid Rice. So any opportunity we can that makes sense for us in regards to the short and long term with how these contracts are, are set and structured. But if we have an opportunity to add a, a great wideout, we'll certainly pursue that. All right. Who said that? Brett Veach. There that we go. That was Brett Veach. We got Andy Reid and Brett Veach. You got the Chiefs brass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And who said that? We'll get to uh, – some more coming up, including Stephen Jones, when asked about his dad saying, we're all in in 2024 for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know what that means, all in. That's what we'll let Stephen Jones try to translate. Yeah. The window is closing, surely but surely, on the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so they got to figure out something because they regressed this year. They got worse. <laughs> supposed to be advancing past the division round. Didn't even make it to the division round this year. That's yeah. a problem. Yeah, got beat by the uh, youngest problem. team in the playoffs. That's a problem. At home. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll come back. We've got uh, the fabulous fifth hour on tap. Uh, we'll get back to this Texas basketball win. Rod's got us behind the BOC one more time. Uh, good conversations after a really busy Tuesday night of sports. And a lot of good stuff to talk about, plus the combine in full swing and full effect. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rod Bacon.